Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome back to the Employee of the Month show. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And on this episode, I sat down with Mo Rocca. We taped this live at the Bell House. You can currently see Mo on CBS This Morning on Sundays. He's a correspondent. He's also the host of his own show on the cooking channel called My Grandmother's Ravioli, which is debuting its second season this month. And you can hear him most weeks on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. A special shout out to Peter Sagal, the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which you will find out about when you listen to our interview. I'm most fascinated with Mo's eclectic career and the fact that he's done everything from Right for Educational Kids TV shows to performing on Broadway to hosting his own cooking show. Yes, it is all part of showbiz, um, but I think the secret ingredient is Mo. He's on all these award-winning programs like The Daily Show because he's just so smart and able to be so thoughtful and at the same time really funny, and sometimes you don't know whether he's joking or being serious, which... I confess to having similar tendencies, and in this case, it's just a joy to watch and listen to. So without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Mo Rocca. There are a lot of old people here, as they'll recognize. If me. anyone is over the age of 21, please <laughs> raise their hands. Yeah, they can shout. You guys are so much better than that. Um, so you went to Harvard, and I'm going to make a generalization, which will be a clear indication that I did not go to Harvard. I feel like there are two people who go there, generally. You know, people who were number one in their class, and they get there and realize there are all these other people who are number one, and they fall apart. And then there are people who go there and are, were number one in their class and find out that there are all these other people who are number one and are stimulated and excited by it, and um, they become really successful later in life. And you seem to be of the latter. Is that fair? Um, I'll take that. Yeah, I'd rather be that than the, the person who goes and falls apart. Is that a fair, is that a fair assessment of, yeah. of those people, too? Uh, you mean, okay, so people who were number one and then crack under the pressure crack under the pressure and, and all of a sudden they're not number one anymore and it's, it's a confusing world out there for sure. them. Sure, no, I mean... I have no experience with any of this. It's one of, so. those, it's one of those weird places where people will say in the dining hall, like, oh, oh, see that girl over there? She's the world's greatest cellist in her age group and she can't read. Like, it'll, like, <laughs> like there's a lot of weird... The people will have, like, really erratic, lopsided resumes like that. Yeah. yeah. Backgrounds like that, yeah. And there you were very involved in hasty... Pudding. Pudding. And what do you guys, are there pudding pops is the, for the rest of us? What is Hasty Pudding to, to the elite? Well, it's the world's oldest college theater group, and there's a lot that can be said about it, but it's basically an excuse for guys to put on women's clothing. It's a drag show. Okay. It's a drag show, and it's an old drag show, and, uh, and I learned a lot. I mean, I spent most of my time at Harvard um, dressing up as a woman, and I could learn by the, my, my senior year. I was a four-year woman, which is actually very rare, uh, seriously, to be like, there's, there's no point in being in a drag show if you're going to play a man, and it's very ritualized. Like half the characters are male characters, half are female characters. So I was, I was a four-year woman, and by the end, I could do a front handspring wearing four-inch heels. So because I, I was trained as a gymnast. So. You were trained right. as a gymnast mm-hmm. in yep. Bethesda, Maryland. Yes, on my front lawn. <laughs> 
Now, you did you studied all the way through in acting and theater, going to the North Carolina School of the Arts when you were young yeah. with Parker Posey. That's right. Yeah, uh, um, friends there. And so when did when you graduated? Sixteen years old. Yeah, Sixteen. It's kind of nice. And when you graduated, did you assume you were going to go into dance, theater? What did you decide you were going to go into? Yeah, I had a lot of type A friends who were... Shocking. I know, exactly. And I'm very vulnerable, and so I'm very... Uh, I really am to that kind of a thing. So I was surrounded by a lot of people saying, this is what you should be doing. And so I wanted to be in musicals, so I went to New York... Well, first I was a roller skating waiter in Washington, D.C. to earn, I was, and I, at a French restaurant called La Nissoise, and so I sang and I roller skated, and this was when roller blades were just coming in, and I knew enough to keep it old school, so I wore, I, I only used like four-wheeled roller skates, and uh, which I think was more charming, and then I earned the money to move to New York, and I auditioned for musicals, and I was eventually cast in the Southeast Asian tour, the musical Grease, where I played Duty. <laughs> Um, who was the youngest of the greasers, and, uh, and his songs, everything was subsumed by John Travolta, by the Danny character in the movie. But the, um, the musical, the stage musical, is much more small D democratic, where the, the songs are spread around, which is nice. And because uh, everybody feels valued in the stage musical. Uh, and so um, I did that, and uh, oh, what was my point? Oh, yeah, but then I had a, a very type A friend who said, you're not going to make it unless you write your own way or do your own material. You can't just stand in line and audition for musicals. Um, and yeah, and so uh, I eventually started trying to write my own stuff, and I became a writer for a, a show called Wishbone, which is a PB. Oh, good, yeah. It's a Peabody Award-winning children's show for kids it six is, to nine. And it yes, and it features a Jack Russell Terrier who, in his dream life, becomes the heroes of classic novels in order to familiarize kids between the ages of six and eleven with the themes of those books, so that when they encounter them later on, they'll find them less daunting. <laughs> so it did have a very clear educational objective. Now, your agent recommended that you audition for The Daily Show based on an article you had written about Florence Harding. How did you find an agent who even knew who Warren Harding is, never mind Florence? I, it's, you know, I found at the Warren Harding Presidential Library, they have no, no, a no, deal the with... No, no, the agent. No, they have a deal with William Morris. William oh. Morris has been covering <laughs> Will, Warren Harding for a while. Endeavor Sorry. has Calvin Coolidge. It's like an ICM right now. has James Garfield. It's brutal, actually, when they fight over these presidents. I mean, don't even ask me who has William Howard Taft, though there's a lot to go around. <laughs> that was kind of a nice, sort of smart, innocent joke. Um, the um, uh, uh, no, I, I, what happened was um, I uh, didn't know what I was doing, and uh, and um, at the time, the boyfriend that I was living with was tired of me sitting around going, "What do I want to do? What am, how am I going to make a career?" And so he basically, and I then I, I, I start became interested in the in in presidents that you can't remember were actually president. All the guys between Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt, a lot of them with facial hair. A couple of them were knocked off by anarchists, and the, a lot of them live in Ohio, which is why Ohio can claim to be the mother of all presidents, even though they only have seven when eight were born in Virginia. Virginia really is the mother of all presidents. Ohio's a stepmother. But I anyway, am so, I am so glad I did not know you as a kid. <laughs> and I memorized a TV guide. This is pre-cable, but still, it was a big deal. Um, and uh, and. So, um, and I memorized everything in the 1974 World Book. So I still think there's a French West Africa and that there's a country. <laughs> so, but in any case, so I, I, I bought a one-way ticket to Indianapolis. This is it. This is it. And 
I went and I visited the Benjamin Harrison house um, on the old north side of Indianapolis. And Benjamin Harrison, our 23rd president, he's in that Grover Cleveland sandwich. He's surrounded by the Grover Cleveland's non-consecutive terms. And he was known for having clammy hands. But I took a tour. No no one in the room is applying to go to Harvard. (laughs) At this point, (laughs) applications are are, are plummeting. All right. But anyway, I was so inspired by this 75-year-old woman named Wanda Wheeler who had spent 22 years volunteering full-time at the Benjamin Harrison house. And she led me and a group of second graders around the house. And by, I'm not kidding you, and by the end, I wanted to sandblast Mount Rushmore and replace it with Benjamin Harrison because her passion was so intense. And so I became really interested in sort of weird marginalized history and the sites that know that people really only visit because they want to use the bathroom. And it's really dependent on these docents. And I love docents. And in my fan- fantasy life, I'd be a docent. I'd be a tour guide because I think they're real heroes. I think you should be filibustering for Congress. <laughs> Well, because it's true, because if you work at a place like Monticello or something, all you have to do is be like, yeah, this is Jefferson's place, and people are impressed right away. Uh, then they ask you about the slavery thing and Sally Hemings, and it gets complicated. But um, in any case, I went to these strange sites, and I met great characters, and that's how I got on TV. And so I mean, it's pretty amazing. It was an article that didn't get picked up as an article. It and wasn't you... sold to anyone. So it was not an article yet, but that was how you got into The Daily Show. Yeah, it was a collection of words that right, yeah. Oh my God. Um, and what I was so impressed with is you're on this hit show when it's at its height. I mean, it's, it's, I know they keep getting Emmys, but, but really at the beginning they were so exciting and new. How did you know how to leave that in such a volatile business when you have no idea what could be next? Sex scandal. You, you had one? No, I was the only one not in it. And so because... Oh. <laughs> And with and so they couldn't afford to have me around because if you weren't invested in it, then you were gonna you were gonna squeal. Uh, no, I like. It's hard to, to know, it's hard to know when to leave a job, especially a really plumb one is, like being you know, a reporter on the actually, Daily Show. And actually, listen, that's a, that is a great point. I don't think it's a good idea. It's it's hard when you're paying attention to what people on the outside think of something. I mean, it is very difficult, um, which is why I like hanging out with grandparents because they don't care about what anyone thinks of them. I'm serious. You get to a certain point in your life, you just don't care. And that's very admirable. It's true. I aspire. I want to be like the grandparents that I've met right now because they just don't. They're like, I'm doing my thing. But anyway, um, uh, no, I mean, you have to know not to stay beyond a certain point. I love doing field work. And I believe me, I love doing The Daily Show. It was a great show. But, you know, eventually I wanted to do more stuff in the field and less stuff in studio. So let's segue, actually, because you were referring to the grandparents you meet doing My Grandmother's Ravioli, um, which is a TV show. We're going to show a video from Grandmother's Ravioli. And while we do that, I was going to bring out some pecan pie, and you're going to tell me how it fares, because you go and visit all of these real grandparents and get real recipes from real people. If you were Sephardic, you would be a grandmother by now, by the way, because I just did Sephardic cooking in Deal, New Jersey, and those grandmothers are, like, young. They have the babies early. So we'll play, we'll play my grandmother's ravioli. <laughs> chop, chop, sister. <laughs> I love boys who think they can take the pressure off now that there's gay marriage. There's no reason why you can't get I know, on it. we're all... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all get to be part of the conversation. So dig in to this while they do that. You can, you can eat some. It's pecan, not pecan. <laughs> Mo and I will be going home together. Okay. 
Now it's only used like about this much. And you put it right here on the center. You are go, go, go. Yeah, I'm not a go, go girl though. Did you ever do the, uh, what is it called in Philadelphia? The strut, the, mum, the mummer strut. Did you ever see the mummer's parade no, in Philly? No, I never did. Oh, I've heard of that. I don't have the song for the thing, but I'm stupid. Clary, you shouldn't be dancing, you silly. <laughs> um, actually, you should always be dancing because it's amazing. One, six, seven, Oh, we left them in too long, see? You need a little, a couple lessons making these, honey. I know. It's, I'm get, but I'm getting better. That's my record. So how, what did you think of this homemade pecan pie? Do you think I'm good enough to be on the show? I think the pecan pie is fantastic. <laughs> and, um, I think, yeah, I think you could do it. But you got to go visit that lady. She's 94. She makes you want to be 94. She's a total spitfire. I really, really enjoyed that, and I really recommend people watch it online. Now, you, you started the show under the premise that you were going to learn how to cook, but you n have not learned how to cook. I, I have not, you know, I have not learned how to cook. <laughs> the premise of the show, which is true, is that I've gotten to this point in life not knowing how to cook, and I'm guilty that my amazing grandmother, who made fantastic ravioli, hence the name my grandmother's ravioli, used to make these beautiful meals, and I just sh sort of show up, and like a lot of kids, you think the food sort of appears out of nowhere, you enjoy it, and then it's like, oh, that was great. But, you know, and if I could go back in time, I'd show up a little bit early and learn how to cook from but her. But the point is, you haven't learned how to cook. Exactly, and this is all guilt abatement for me to go around and, and learn from other grandparents. Uh, but I haven't, because I want, the, I want the series to go on forever. That's like, what I figured, that it was a way to get, say, I need yeah. to get another season. If Bart, C if Bart Simpson can be <laughs> 10 years old for 20 years, I can not know how to cook for <laughs> 20 years. So we're we are going to um, play uh, Not My Job Yet from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, good. Oh, that's great. Because Mo is so brilliant, and one of the things that you are particularly brilliant at is geography. I um, am. I love geography. Oh, Jesus. I do. I do. I love oh my geography. God. I just can't figure out if he was the oldest kid. I love geography. Who is Mo playing for you here? Mo Rocco will be playing for Peter Sagal of Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> I'm pa playing for Peter Dinklage? <laughs> no, you're playing for Peter Sagal. You're playing for... Oh, for Peter Sagal. <laughs> the host oh, of Wait, Wait, Don't oh, Tell Me. Yes, of course. He's great. He also says hello. You ready? Hi, you nervous? Hi. Uh, yes. What is Morocco's official language? Moroccan Arabic, as if there are any other kinds of Arabic. Literary Arabic, so intellectually insecure, they need to let you know they're literate. Or French, because the Moroccans are known snobs. I am going to say, I cannot believe that the French, that French is the official language. So I am going to, I am going to say Moroccan Arabic. No. Is it French? It's literary Arabic. Uh. It's, I mean, I it's all right, but we've got two more chances for Peter Sagal. All I know is that Tangiers is full of child molesters. <laughs> Done. It's a creepy European, <laughs> Northern European and Danish men who come down and take advantage of what's actually a cultural rite of passage for young men. It's disgusting. Well, this is a, that's I'm a per- serious. It's gross. It grosses me out. That is a perfect segue. Yeah. <laughs> According to the 2013 World Happiness Report from Columbia University's Earth Institute, what is the happiest country oh in the God, world? Oh my God, is it Denmark? 
It's it's they're Scandinavian. It used to be Costa Rica, and we have a Costa Rican grandmother, Lita, and she makes a, a wonderful uh, Viga Ron, which That's is okay. actually Nicaraguan. You got it. You got it. But it's because it's not because of her food. It's because of the, that they ride bikes. You is it Denmark? It. Yes. It's he not got because it. they're molesting kids in Tangiers. You got it. Mo got one. So you just need one more, Mo. One more for Peter, who I'm sure is. Gripping, gripping Ask me something about the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. No, nope, no, nope, that didn't factor in, That's and nor true. is that a country. Um, go Wesleyan. Where was where was Hagen Dazs ice cream first concocted? Was it Sweden, which is also where f- the name Frozen Galaja comes from? Was it Norway, where Norwegians are known for their coffee desserts, or was it the United States? Just like Twinkies, fried Oreos, and other sophisticated delicacies. haagen sounds like it's Turkish, but it's actually made up, and it's from the good old U.S. of A. And where specifically was it first sold? That wasn't part of the question. Brooklyn! Okay, great. I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> you, won Peter, you won for Peter Sagal, so let's give you a round of applause, and thank you to Peter. And this just proves that you shouldn't quit your day job, although you would make a phenomenal um, geography professor or uh, little brother. I give everyone a gift bag before they go. They are all from the Park Slope Co-op. And this one comes with the golden child, because I imagine you were a bit of a golden child growing up. Thank you so much. Can I, I feel like I'm very impressed that Lin-Manuel Miranda sang a song, and I would like to do something. So what I would like to do, even though this is a podcast and you would have to describe what's happening, I can describe what's happening, is I do a certain trick that um, I would like to do. Um, <laughs> and it's a kind of cartwheel. Well, it's a cartwheel with one hand with a glass of water in my free hand without spilling a drop. And it's something that I was injured doing recently on Fire Island, don't ask. And... Uh, <laughs> and I feel like this is like at the end of Vertigo when Jimmy Stewart has to confront his fear and when he goes up Coit Tower. Is that right? I've got that right, just, I think. Just and confront case, it quickly. <laughs> Let's watch Maraca confronting his fear. And also, you guys should know, he was in the 25th annual Putnam Spelling Bee and he is a phenomenal performer on stage in addition to being an intellectual snob. That's it for this episode of the Employee of the Month show. Thank you for tuning in. We have more live tapings coming up, so do check out the website. Thank you to Peter Sagal of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And I am going to be super impressed if Mo actually has a home answering machine, although I'm sure Peter can record it on his cell phone. And I really hope that both of them, Peter and Mo, were brave and, unlike me, did not upgrade to operating the seven operating system. I just self-sabotage in ways that I don't I don't have no excuse for it. 
Check out my grandmother's ravioli and much more importantly, check yourselves before you wreck yourselves in that mirror and remember, just do what you love. Look how it worked out for Mo. It's gotta happen for us, right? It has to. At the very least, at least you can listen to Mo Rocca having fun with his life. Is that enough? I feel like sometimes that is enough. Thank you. I'm Katie Lazarus, and I will talk to you guys soon.